0: welcome to the Girls Who Sell Spotlight podcast, where we talk about everything, business to business sales. My name is Heidi Solomon-Orlick, and I am the founder and CEO of Girls Who Sell. At Girls Who Sell, we are not only committed to closing the gender gap in B2B sales, but to building the largest pipeline of diverse, early-stage female sales talent. We are more than a company. We are a movement. On today's episode, I'm super excited to introduce you to Steph Ziegler. Steph is an accomplished leadership and career coach and the founder of Prism Coaching. She is a recovered educator who, after being a first-grade teacher, le- leveraged her transferable skills, pivoted into sales, and never looked back. I look forward to talking a little bit more about that journey. Since then, she has held several sales positions and now coaches others on how to to achieve peak performance. Steph, welcome to the Spotlight, and thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, Heidi. Welcome, and thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and can't wait to just discuss more with you about our love for sales and helping women.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much. So first of all, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people think there's just this single path to get into sales, and, and there's not. You can come from a lot of different uh, backgrounds and directions, and certainly yours was from an education background. So would love you to talk a little bit about your journey and where you started and and why you made the pivot.
1: Yeah, yeah, happy to. Um, so I was originally, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, and I used to be a first grade teacher, as you know. And I kind of got to a point in my career um, You know, I was just feeling a little stuck. I really loved helping the kids emotionally, but wasn't feeling that love for actually teaching like I used to. Um, so I knew that I needed to explore what else was out there. And at the time I had ended, um, a really serious relationship and kind of just decided to blow up my life and completely pivot. And I always thought I'd be good at sales. And for whatever reason, I had an inkling and I was like, this is something I need to explore. Um, So I just started to poke around, learn more about the field. And I was like, I think this is it. Like, I'm going to love this. I love connecting with people. Um, So I just ended up going for it. And I ended up, you know, messaging different folks, CEOs on LinkedIn, landed an interview. Next thing you know, I sold all my things, packed my two little suitcases and moved to San Francisco without any experience to start at a startup um, as an SDR and the rest is kind of history. So, oh my
0: gosh, I did not know that. So that <laughs> is quite incredible talking about just taking risk and going for it. Wow.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was very um, like scary in a way, but I also just knew as what I was meant to do and where I was supposed to be so i had so many opportunities i was very lucky that i had an amazing sales leader and mentor and quickly uh had a lot of success and helped to build out the sales team and um, our company ended up being acquired so got some more promotions all of that good stuff happened um so it was a really amazing experience and I, I still love sales it's a part of what i do now so
0: yeah that sounds that sounds awesome. So, you know, I know that, um, you know, I've seen a lot of articles about how educators are transitioning out of education into other fields. And um, there's also been a lot of articles about how particularly tech companies um, are swooping them up Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, because of how good they are. Particularly in in tech sales, why do you think that is? Like, what 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 skills do you think work um, and you know are transferable from an education mm-hmm. to a sales background?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So great question, and I would say so many skills are transferable. Oftentimes, um, teachers sometimes need a little help understanding what those skills are, but you know, classroom management that transfers really well to dealing with customers and different personalities, being organized in your classroom, being organized with your sales pipeline, being able to effectively communicate with parents, administrators, students of all different ages and behavior issues. Translates very well to being able to communicate with all different types of customers, especially in the SaaS industry. So I think that we have to, you know, we being women in sales now really need to help these teachers identify what strong skills do you have? And those can so easily transfer to being a successful salesperson. So I think
0: even, well, one, if you've ever tried to, you know, convince a first grader to do their homework, (laughs) you're in sales. Right. So um, there's probably, you know, just some some, you know, sales is a life skill. Right. Um, In terms of managing that. And um, and then also just, you know, overcoming objections and and conflict resolution and those kinds of things are probably uh, areas that you deal with in the classroom all the time. Right.
1: Absolutely. I think you said it. If you can convince a first grader to like love reading or math, or you know, if you're a high school teacher and you're getting all of these kids on board, like you can be in sales. There's a lot of negotiating with them and handling those objections to why do they need to learn this thing. And that's such a big thing that we do as salespeople every day. So it's really important.
0: And then to your earlier point of being able to adapt to different personality types, I mean, you know, not everyone learns differently or learns the same, right? There's Mm -hmm. all kinds of different types of learners. Same things with, you know, buyers, right? And prospects, Mm -hmm. right? They they all um, buy differently. So I'm sure those Mm -hmm. are somewhat transferable as well, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree a thousand percent to that. And then I would also say, too, most teachers have really high EQ where they're able to kind of read what their students need and they're in tune with um, that emotional connection and they have that piece of emotional intelligence being able to understand what students want and need. And I think that's huge and crucial in sales, just being able to really connect and understand what your buyer or prospects want and need and being able to really feel out the relationship. Like, how can we support them? Yeah.
0: So I know that you just, recently made another shift. Well, first of all, congratulations on your nuptials. I know you just recently got married. So congratulations on that. But combined with that, you've made the move into entrepreneurship and coaching. So why don't you talk a little bit about that shift?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, um, you know, was starting to feel burnt out in my sales role. And I loved I do love sales, but I was really feeling, you know, what is my why? Where is my teacher's heart connected to? And I had an incredible experience seeing a coach and being coached and realized I need to do this with my life. So I decided to start Prism Coaching and it's called Prism because a prism refracts light and you're able to see all the different light um, through a prism. And I want to do that in people's lives so that they can see all the different areas, gain new perspectives. Um, and I, I have a big passion for it. I really believe the power of coaching. And I have set out to just coach leaders to help them, you know, bust through their inner critic, build self confidence, be able to uh, communicate more effectively. And it also so happens that being an entrepreneur, you need to know how to sell and still have those. Lifelong sales skills. So it's the best of those worlds because I am still, I I absolutely love sales. It's all about relationships and connecting. So I feel very honored that I get to do both of those things, coaching and selling every day. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. And that is really an issue for a lot of entrepreneurs and is that they, you know, they fall in love with their uh, product or service, but uh, then, when it comes to the idea of, oh my gosh, I actually have to go out and sell this. I have to acquire clients. I have to, you know, it, it, it's like deer in the headlights, right? So, mm-hmm. how do you get them through that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I think um, there's a lot of folks and friends I have who are coaches that are, I'll call them colleagues more so that I've met that they just have this resistance or they're like, well, I don't want to be salesy. And I'm like, First off, being a great salesperson is not being salesy, as you and I both know, Heidi. Um, And I think that people just need to realize that sales is a life skill. It is so important. We're always selling every day. And as entrepreneurs, we need to be able to really show the value of the product or service we're putting out there and really be able to connect with people. And it all comes back from a place of helping. Like when I sold software to schools and districts, it was because I love the product and knew I could help. And I feel the same way about coaching. And people sense that when you're really doing it for the right reasons and have the best intentions, I think people pick up on that. And that makes such a big difference when you're selling.
0: And so are you working with uh, sales leaders in particular, in addition to entrepreneurs?
1: So mostly, so my clients are kind of very broad right now. (laughs) It's not niche down, but I would say just leaders in the tech space, um, so I wouldn't say it's just specifically sales leaders, but it's a little broad. Um, so leaders who are really focusing on those things, busting their inner critic, wanting to gain back more time, uh, communicate more effectively, and then ultimately have a better balance in their life and excel in work and in life.
0: Yeah, that's, I, I, I'll tell you, you know, I'm a fairly new entrepreneur. Um, I, I, I guess I would con- have considered myself more of an intrapreneur because even at the companies that I worked for, I was always running, you know, businesses and managing budgets. It was like, I was, you know, I mean, there were times when I was managing literally hundreds of millions of dollars worth of revenue. Right. And um, so I, I, you know, but launching girls who sell was my first, my first time in stepping into full-time entrepreneurship and, and niching down is, is a challenge, right? Like you and I were talking about this before about shiny object s- syndrome, particularly for those of us who like to fix things and uh-huh. want to help people, right? It's like, oh yeah, that's a problem too. I, I want to go fix that. Oh, but what about that? I need to go fix that. And so how do you, you know, how do you coach people? And I know you're going through this process
1: <laughs> yeah. in
0: parallel, right? So this yep. is probably the pot calling the kettle ba- black a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, how do you coach people? to sort of niche down like that
1: yeah that is such a a great um yeah a, a big problem that we have i shouldn't call it great but problem that a lot of people have and i think it's really focusing on okay what do you really want what is your end goal right like whether you're in a business whether you're managing a sales team or just managing an operations team and you're all over the place and having shiny object syndrome where to go with the company where to go in your leadership? How do you really focus on what's your end goal? And just being able to say, this is what I'm committing to for this amount of time. Yes, I will notice the other things that come in and say, great, that looks awesome. Not right now. And it's so hard. And yes, the kettle is calling itself black or or whatever the saying is right now. Um, Because I think you're the same too, Heidi. We want to help. We genuinely want to help. We want to do it all. And that's what makes us good entrepreneurs. Is being that kind of go getter personality, but it does come at a cost. So it's being mindful of that and recognizing, okay, not right now. Focus in this lane and commit. It's a marathon, not a sprint.
0: Yeah, that's a One of my favorite state uh, statements, right? Um, mm-hmm. I use that a lot too. And uh, you know, it it what I find is if I start. Um, You know, spreading myself too thin or trying to solve for too many business challenges or, you know, at at one time, I don't do anything well, right? Versus Mm -hmm. being able to just super focus on, you know, just one or two things that are critical, get that done, check that box, get it humming. And then, you know, you can sort of move on to the next thing, right? Do you find Mm -hmm. that for yourself?
1: A hundred percent, absolutely. I need to just make sure, like, here is the thing. I'm checking it off. And, you know, we feel good when we're able to check something off. And you're like, that's complete. Let's move forward brick oh, by brick.
0: You're going to laugh. I mean, this is my to-do. You can't probably see it. Oh, right? I can't it's see my, it now. My three-page to-do list. Um, you know, and I have look. Look at all my check boxes, right? Like just checking yep. it off, checking it off, just it because I, yeah. I was like so overwhelmed with everything that needed to get done that I just, you know, I I, I do love box checking in some mm-hmm. ways.
1: In yeah. some ways, yeah. box
0: checking is a terrible thing, like when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. But yes, for, for <laughs> uh, I agree with you there absolutely. My time, it's it's not a bad thing. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. What,
0: what kind of guidance? You know, if we do have some educators that are listening because I have been getting a lot. I have to be honest with the launch of Girls Who Sell Academy and, and, and our hashtag Explore sales program. You know, a lot of educators have actually been approaching me saying, I really want to learn more about sales and how I can uh, leverage my skills to be successful. So if we do have some educators uh, listening to us today. What kind of advice would you give to them?
1: Yeah, I would say if you have a hunch that sales is the thing, really dive into it and learn and commit to understanding how to be a salesperson. Um, I think that, you know, there are innate sellers, people who are naturally more inclined, you can be a all that stuff, and figure out if like you are more inclined to be a salesperson, which is great. But it is a skill, and you have to commit to really learning um, as a teacher and connecting the dots what your transferable skills are and how to be an excellent seller. And I would say, you know, start by recognizing this is something you want to commit to. Then figure out how can you learn like to be an excellent salesperson, and then commit to actually doing it. So finding the right company that's in line with your values. And I, th- I think that's an excellent place to start and just starting to network uh, with people like you or myself and having conversations to figure out, is this what I want to do next?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've seen some interesting statistics about how sales is uh, the gateway to into leadership, right? So, you know, now that you you know, or moving, you moved from sales into more of a leadership coaching role. How are you bridging that gap?
1: Yeah, I think that there are so many things that are interconnected with leadership or having your own business or even coaching leaders with sales, because it's all about people, right? Selling is all about people. Leadership is all about people. How are you relating to them? How are you supporting them? How are you being self-aware, A lot of sales is being aware of yourself in the process and kind of being able to step back. And I'll relate this to meditation too, like being able to observe the conversation, how you're reacting, how you're handling. And I think excellent sellers do that. And I think excellent leaders do that. They're able to really separate and observe and take that eagle's eye perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, So what um, what are, let's say the top, Three um, leadership tips that you would share with a prospective client.
1: Oh gosh, (laughs) that is a hard question, Heidi. So normally, I don't, um, I don't consult or mentor any of that. I really evoke transformation in people for them to find their own answers. But if I were to give some unsolicited advice, (laughs) (laughs) why not? Right, right. I would say um, if I could just tell people, it's you know be able to communicate effectively and understand what that means so really tap into how are you delivering a certain message to your team how are you saying it why are you saying it what is the outcome that like you want when you're communicating with people right so i think that's a huge thing and that's what a lot of leaders want coaching around mm-hmm. is being able to be a more effective communicator and i think it goes back to being mindful and being able to be self-aware of how you're reacting. Maybe if you're triggered as a leader and feel like this is a stressful conversation, I am triggered. I'm angry, upset, like recognize the emotions in yourself and be able to recognize those, separate it so that you can effectively communicate and still that do what's best for that person or the team. So that's the first step. <laughs> um, the second piece I would say is being able to really um, just know that you're not alone, know that there are other people out there and connect with them, connect with your support, connect with a coach, connect with your loved ones and have conversations about what you're struggling with. I think there are so many leaders who deal with imposter syndrome. And the first step is really recognizing those imposters in coaching, we call them saboteurs. And again, it goes back to, This is the saboteur that keeps coming up every time. It is not real. I'm going to recognize that and make a choice to stay away from that saboteur and choose um, what I know is true. And we all have them and there's different coaching techniques, but I think that's a really important one. Name the saboteurs that keep showing up and decide to bypass them. And then I would say the third piece, kind of goes back to time. And I I would advise, advise leaders to get really good about their schedules and managing their calendars, protecting their time, honoring their time, and really showing up when you go to a meeting, be on time, leave on time, make it the culture of the company, because if the top is not respecting the time, of everyone and themselves then it's just going to like crash and burn and not be good and people aren't going to be as effective and as leaders we need to really lead by example and show this is the way it's done this is how i'm doing it i know you can do it because we know from being salespeople, if your calendar is all over the place and you're not managing your time well you are not hitting your goals
0: no you are not successful
1: exactly so i would say Yeah, so I would say those are the three things that just popped up um, into my mind. And I I think I hope people can get a lot out of those suggestions.
0: Yeah, I I love those. I love those. So how when you're when you're coaching on confidence, because that is certainly a big issue, particularly that we see um, at Girls Who Sell with um, working with a lot of the younger women, you know, um, high school age and college age young women. confidence when it comes to sales is is a big big issue as is imposter syndrome by the way Um, so what are some of the things that you that you coach to around that
1: yeah so when i coach around this i really dig in there so there's the topic always in coaching and then there's coaching the person so how are they relating to this like so i would ask questions like okay you know, you're having imposter syndrome when it comes to showing up as an effective salesperson, as an example. And I would ask, like, why do you think that is? Like, let's explore that. How does that feel when you're an imposter? What is the language? What is? Um, what are the thoughts that keep coming up when you think you're an imposter? How can we recognize those, right? So we start to name it to get really clear, oh, these are thoughts and patterns that keep happening. And then... I shift them into something where um, I do kind of a, a guided piece around finding your leader within. So that place that we all know, Heidi, that strength in us, that's like, I can do hard things, as Glennon Doyle says, that piece of us that is able to move through that somewhere in the 11th hour, we're able to just rise up and say, I've got this, it's okay. Right. And then we really strengthen that leader within and make it so it's concrete. So naming it, giving it a resident object, something so that people can go back to their leader within, operate from that place. And if you're operating from the leader within, you can start to say goodbye to all the saboteurs, the inner critics. And it's a practice. It's constantly practicing every single day, every moment it comes up.
0: Yeah, it's a a daily practice. It takes Mm -hmm. work. Yeah, not something that you're just going to overcome overnight.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I think
0: naming it—I I really love that whole concept, actually. And I haven't really thought about that, but one, just recognizing that little voice on your shoulder in your head, right? But naming mm-hmm. it is really interesting idea.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's when you um, name
0: it, I guess it becomes real, right?
1: Exactly. And there's actually an assessment. I'll have to share it with you, and maybe we share it with the folks who um, listen to this podcast. But it's a free assessment. Um, It's called a saboteur assessment. So it takes about 10 minutes. You can take it and then see the voices of your saboteurs and the common themes and um, the reason behind it. And I always have my clients take that just to ground them a little bit because it can feel abstract, but it helps them to just start to recognize the different saboteurs like hyperachiever, victim, you know, all these other things.
0: Yeah. My mom always used to tell me there are no victims, only volunteers.
1: Yes. Yeah. I remember, I remember writing, that. Right. Yeah. I, I love you know, that quote. I love no, that it
0: quote. It was uh, like, I, I loved it and I hated it because she always, you know, whenever I was feeling a little bit mm-hmm. sorry about for myself or something, she'd be like, own it. Get, there mm-hmm. are no victims, only volunteers. I'm like, oh.
1: I <laughs> uh, hate when you say that. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> not, <don't> yeah. <laughs> right. Totally. I, I agree. Myself
0: in victim role and then and then can shift. Well, this yeah. has been such an awesome conversation. Um, I love the idea, yeah, of of when when this gets um, you know, when we post this. Um um, when we release it, maybe we can put the link for the saboteur assessment in, you know, the notes as well as in the comment section. So people can go ahead and take that. So that would be kind of fun. Yeah. And then if, you know, if our listeners, how can they get a hold of you if they want some coaching or if they want to learn more about you and your business?
1: Yeah, definitely. So they can visit PRISM, P-R-I-Z as in Ziggler, um, coaching, um, prismcoaching.com, or they can find me on LinkedIn, Steph Ziegler in parentheses, my maiden name, Domofsky. and they can just message me or go to the website and sign up for a consult to see for a good fit, um, for what they want and need.
0: That sounds great. Steph, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate all of your wisdom and uh, I'm going to go chase some tiny objects right now. So I'll I'll see you in a minute.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Heidi and the girls who sell community for having me. This has been fabulous.
0: Okay. Take care. Talk to you soon.
1: Bye.